This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Bibles and turn to Psalm uh, 37 tonight. We're in our uh, Sunday night summer series entitled Special Requests. And so uh, I think we're almost full on our special requests for the summer. I think we're running at about 60 different requests that got submitted. And so I'm trying to figure out which ones I can condense and combine. Uh, last week we talked about prayer. Somebody had uh, sent in a request about prayer, then somebody else had sent in a request about the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, we'll just smash those two together. Uh, tonight, um, Somebody asked about following God's will for your life, and, and somebody else asked about staying submitted to God's will for your life. I thought, we'll smash those together, too, and we'll make it work. And so um, that's where we find ourselves tonight. Uh, in Psalm uh, 37, this chapter is the uh, chapter of our theme verse for this year, uh, where we say uh, in verse number 5, thir- Psalm 37, 5, commit that way into the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You and I can trust in the Lord uh, if we have our way committed to him. One of the great promises of the Bible is found in Psalm 37, verse number 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's a promise that if you put God first, and God truly is your delight, God will give you everything that your heart craves. We preached on that uh, earlier this year, uh, so I won't take time to go over that tonight. But just this is a power-packed psalm right here. It's one of my favorite psalms uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalms 37. But um, we're going to go down to verse number uh, 23 here tonight as we talk about pursuing God's plan for your life. Uh, Some verses definitely in this passage that you should circle, star, underline. If you're using a mobile device, you should highlight these in your uh, app because they're so good. Psalm 37, starting verse number 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, and yet have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He's ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. So many times we hear preaching about God's will, and I remember as a a teenager being confused with that idea of God's will, God's plan for your life, and again, going to to youth group or going to youth conferences where people are preaching on you, you need to follow God's will, you need to submit to God's will, you've got to obey God's will, you've got to discover God's will, you've got to find God's will, left me... And I know I'm not alone in this because other people throughout the years have asked me uh, questions about this. How do you find God's will? As if we need like a treasure map to, to find it. It's hidden out there. It's, it's, it's obscured. And you and I need to dig in our life and hopefully uncover it. And when we uh, find it, we'll know that that's it. We'll know that it's God's will. God's will is not complicated like that. I was talking with some men uh, uh, this afternoon, and, and we, we came to the conclusion that we overcomplicate God's will. Know this, if it's God's will, and again, the, desi- the, the idea of it being God's will is God's desire for your life. 
when we talk about someone's last will and testament, before they uh, have headed into eternity, here are the last things that they want done. This is what they want. When we talk about God's will, God's will is what he wants and what he has designed for your life. Let me say this. It's not a mystery. You don't have to uncover it. You don't have to go on a quest. You don't have to go to the Holy Land to find it. Uh, you don't have to, you know, uh, hold your, your Bible up to the light to see if there's words coming through on the other side that line up with other words. It's not weird. It's not mystical. It's not strange. It's actually really, really straightforward. And so tonight we'll take a look from this particular text about uh, pursuing God's plan for your life. First and foremost is the idea of this. God has a unique plan for his obedient children. Take a look at verse number 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So first of all, we see here that God has a plan for who? For the good man. God has ordered the steps of the good man. Well, what makes one good? They're willing to obey God's word. That's what makes us good, according to this particular passage, following after wisdom as revealed in God's word. And so God has a plan designed for that. Now, let me against God and do your own thing and, and go your own way. You're not going to follow the steps that God has ordered for you. So the steps that God has ordered for your life, first of all, require obedience on your part. And if you're not willing to obey, you're never going to see God's plan come to fruition in your life. It's important to understand that God is the creator of your plan. God has orchestrated a path that lies before you that is your unique, special way to glorify God with your life. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the end before the beginning. God's will for your life is that you would glorify him. Well, yeah, like how? That, that's up for discussion. But the key is that God's will for your life is that you glorify him. Maybe God wants me to be a you know, Christian school teacher and, you know, before he wants any of those other things. And again, you can be a missionary to Peru, per, Peru and I was going to say Purdue. Uh, that's bad. They probably need missionaries there too. Uh, you could be a missionary to Peru, and if you're not glorifying God with your life, it's a wash. You can do good things that aren't fulfilling the purpose God has for you. You can do really spiritual things that aren't fulfilling God's purpose that he has for your, your life. And so God has crafted a plan for you that gives him maximum glory. And I've shared this multiple times with our church family over the years that Huikala exists because my wife and I asked a question that we continue to ask. And you should ask yourself this too. How can I maximize God's glory in my life? How can I make that as big as it can possibly get, the glory of God in my life? Uh, our story, we were living in California at the end of a cul-de-sac in a 3,500-square-foot uh, house with a three-car garage with a basketball goal in the backyard. Uh, we had a dog. We were really comfortable. Um, the the uh, bedroom that my wife and I had was ridiculous in the fact that you could have probably parked two cars in our bedroom because it had like one of those called, uh, you know, master retreats. Uh, it basically was like a big, huge garage that we like had to like buy furniture to stick in it because it was too big. And we got into foreclosure and the housing crash and all that other stuff. But never mind the fact that we were very, very comfortable. 
We'd been serving in ministry for probably eight years at that point. Our kids were in the Christian school there. My son Thatcher was planning on going to Bible college at the church there and everything. We were comfortable, but we weren't living by faith. And there were ways that God could maximize his glory through our lives that we weren't fulfilling. I was working a job as the IT director of the church that was there, and um, the, the work that I was doing, you could hire anybody to do. I mean, changing passwords and changing permissions on shared folders and, you know, setting up new laptops that the teachers get in. Anybody can do that. I want to do something that maximizes God's glory. And we began on, on a quest of what does that look like for us? And we began to really pray and seek God's face and I remember we had the opportunity to, to lead the single adults department there, and we got involved with, with single adults, and man, I began to love, love, love teaching people the Bible and helping them to figure out life problems from the Bible. And I, I prayed and I asked God, if you would give me the opportunity to do this on a larger scale, I would gladly, anytime, go to do that to help people put their life together from the Bible. If that would give you glory. If, if here's where we're supposed to be, this maximizes your glory, this is where we choose to stay. But we have to be submitted to the path and the plan that God sets before us. I don't create my own plan and then invite God into it. This is where people get things really, 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 really wrong. Oh, we want to be close to family and insert state here, you know, Louisiana. And the, man, the hometown that I grew up in, there's a, a house on the street that I grew up in that's in foreclosure, and we're going to be able to get a really good deal on it. And I've always wanted to live on that street close to my folks. And so we're really praying that the Lord would let us do that. Did God lead you to do that, or is that just what your heart wants? Have I created a plan for what I want God to do with my life and said, hey, God, this right here, I want you to bless this. Don't bless any of that stuff over there. Bless this. I'm willing to follow you to the ends of the earth as long as it winds me up on 2nd Street in Louisiana. You know, I'm willing to follow you anywhere you go as long as it winds up here. And, and everywhere else is kind of up for discussion. We run into problems when we do that because we limit the scope of what God wants to do through your life. Have you ever thought that maybe God wants to save one of your coworkers as two cubicles down from you? Have you ever thought that God wants to, sh to save that neighbor that's two doors down from you? Have you ever thought that that kid that's playing on your kid's soccer team, their parents need to know Jesus? Have you thought about that for a second? Or are we st still thinking that God's will is out there somewhere on the mainland or in another state or somewhere where we can buy a piece of property and build a house? Because we've always wanted to build a house before, you know? We limit what God wants to do in our life when we draw up these plans and this is the only thing that God can do. So uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 9, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So in other words, you and I can create our own path that we want to, but God's going to be the one who's going to give us the direction that we need to follow after what he has for us. And the question is, do you really believe that the plan that you have orchestrated for yourself of how your life works out, do you feel like that's better than what God could do if you were fully submitted? Again, I'm talking sometimes when people are submitted to only this particular thing. Well, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus as long as it's in this you know, box that I've created over here. Do you think that God doesn't have something better for you out here somewhere? 
I remember for us moving back to Honolulu was a crazy thought because we left here in 2003. I could, <laughs> I could take you. We pulled up to the uh, Hawaiian Airlines terminal uh, at, at the airport. I remember where we got dropped off at. And we're pulling bags out of the back of a minivan. This would have been July of 2003. Headed off to Bible college to, to figure out what God wants us to do with our life in California. My wife says to me, do you think we'll ever come back here? And I said, absolutely not. It was a good ride. We did it. You know, 101 things to do on Oahu, we did them all. I mean, there's literally nothing left for us here. We don't have family here. We don't have connections here. We have no reason whatsoever to purposely limit ourselves to a small rock in the middle of the ocean ever again. It was a blast while we did it, but we're never coming back here. And you know what she said to me? I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, good. At least we're agreed on something, right? We're never coming back here again. Now, what happens is when God begins to work and move in your life and you're truly submitted, you're saying, you're able to say, I'm willing to go back even to the places I said I would never go back to. I'm willing to, and again, when I told people, hey, I feel like God's calling us to Honolulu to plant a church, no lie, I had people who said, I thought you said not, just save that. I don't want to talk about that. I really don't. Because here's the thing. When God moves on your heart of where you're supposed to be, that next step in your path, you have two options. You can either obey the step that's in front of you, or you can rebel and go your own way. And I've rebelled before and gone my own way, and it doesn't end well. And so we need to be careful that we're not putting our own plan together and asking God to bless that we're truly following God's plan. Again, I love this uh, passage here because it tells us in verse number 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. It's important to note that it doesn't say the destination of man is ordered by the Lord. Because you and I many times want to see the destination before we figure out what the path looks like, Right? Uh, my wife and I, we went to uh, Thailand to visit the Belus. Uh, we'd gone on a hiking trip, just the two of us, and um, it's this incredible hike that overlooks, you know, uh, the ocean. You can see all these different islands. This, and she said, the hike was like this, and we paid, you know, I think $3 for a teeny tiny bottle of water that was gone in like 10 seconds. And so uh, she said this. She said, go up to the top and take pictures, and if they're good, come back and tell me, and I'll hike it with you. No lie, I'm not making this up. You guys think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding at all. And so what did I do? I hiked up there. I took videos and I took pictures and I hiked back down. And I'm just like roasted, covered in sweat. I don't have sunblock on and I have two colors, white and like pink. Uh, I was pink by the time I came down, just gushing sweat. There's no water to be had. And I said, it was okay, but it wasn't worth the 30-minute hike. So 30 minutes there and like you know, 20 minutes back. It was good, but it wasn't that good. Sometimes you and I think that God's will can be like that. Hey, show me what the end looks like, and I'll figure out whether or not I'll take the hike. Show me pictures at the finish line, and I'll figure out whether or not I actually want to walk this path or not. God doesn't work that way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, not the destination. You don't get to determine whether or not you're going to obey the destination. You get to determine whether or not you're going to obey the steps. Since my steps have been ordered... I'm simply responsible for walking in them. I don't have to know where this thing ends. I just need to know what I'm supposed to do today. For Angela and I, when we first started walking with Jesus, we knew, what do you need to do this week? We need to be in church, 
We need to read the Bible. We need to pray. That's all we know. So we'll do that. That's what we did. One of our men was sharing with uh, two guys who came to church this morning for the first time, sharing with them after the service. And one of the guys said to, to our guy, he says, hey, I want to grow in my faith. What should I do? He goes, two pieces of advice I'll give you. If you do this, I guarantee you're going to grow. Be in church every time the doors are open and make as many connections with other Christians as you can. Secondly, read your Bible every day and everything you read, obey it. He goes, those two things will supercharge your Christian growth. And I thought, man, what I would have given for advice like that, you know? But that's what we did because we didn't know any better. We're just going to go to church, we're going to pray, and we're going to try to be faithful. Man, I realized really soon on, we need to be tithing. So we started tithing. I realized uh, I have to start being kind and friendly to people, which I did not want to do. You know, handshaking time uh, was about 45 seconds at the church that we were at. It felt like 45 minutes uh, because I just didn't want to talk to anybody. But I, I prayed and asked God to give me courage to talk to people. I asked God to give me a love for people. And, and by the grace of God, he did it. He changed my heart. It's so awkward. It's so hard for me. But again, I want to obey the Lord in this area of my life. And so we began to ask God to change us. And then it came to like, hey, you know, you need to be more involved in ministry. And so we uh, joined the church and began to serve in different ministries in different capacities. And we began to see things around the church that needed to be done. Hey, the grass needs to be cut. Hey, I'll cut it. Uh, the church doesn't own a, a lawnmower. I'll buy a lawnmower for the church so that we can cut the grass so it looks nice. Uh, we began to clean the church on Saturdays before services on Sunday. We began to uh, serve in different capacities of ministry to the point where it's just like, we're at the church like six days a week and we can't get enough. We want to do this like full time with our life. And our pastor recommended, hey, have you ever thought about Bible college? No. What is, what is Bible college? I've never even heard of that before. It's a college where you study the Bible. Yeah, I figured that out. What do you do with it, you know? But he said, hey, you need to figure out what God wants you to do with your life. And he says, but whatever you do, you need to be well-trained for it. You should go to Bible college. We took his advice because, we, again, we followed the guidance of our pastor. I don't know that I would have given the same advice to somebody in my, my situation now, but it was good advice for us at the time. We took it. We jumped on it. We moved from, from here in Honolulu out to the middle of California uh, to go to Bible college, sight unseen. Never gone to the church, never been to the college, never talked to anybody from the college. Uh, we rented a car when we showed up on our own, got our own hotel that night. Nobody picked us up at the airport. I didn't know a single solitary soul. We just knew it's what God wanted us to do. And then God began to order not the whole path, not the destination, but God began to order the steps. And as God would give us another step, you had two options, yes or no. And we always choose yes, like guaranteed, done, 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 done. So you and I need to understand that we need to be submitted to the steps along the way. I'm not trying to figure out where the path leads. I'm just trying to be obedient. This is important. Because so many, you know, so many times you and I try to figure out, hey, where's this whole thing going? Hey, where does this end up? Hey, what am I supposed to do? You're just supposed to be obedient today. What are you supposed to do? Read your Bible, pray, walk in the Spirit, share your faith, love other people, serve other people. That's what you're supposed to do today. When the church doors are open, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be here, ready to worship, ready to serve, ready to love, ready to encourage, ready to connect, ready to be a part of a faith-based community that loves other people. That's what you need to do. And there's going to come a point where God's going to lead you on to the next step. Well, what is that? I can't tell you what that looks like. And again, when you try to figure it out, you're going to go crazy. I always hated when I was a kid, people would ask the question, 
where do you see yourself in 10 years? Man, I'm like 12. Like, what do 12-year-olds know about where they're going to be in 10 years, you know? I remember in, in fourth grade, they asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, and you had to fill out this thing and color it, and they put it up on the wall in the hallway. My parents were so embarrassed because I said that I wanted to be a ninja. <laughs> and I was, my parents were embarrassed because it's like doctor, lawyer, nurse, you know, baseball player, ninja. It's just like, what's up with the king kid? Wants to be a ninja. And I was, I was super proud of it because it's like, you know, I wanted the, the, the socks that go in the middle of your toes, you know, and I wanted to like you know, throw throwing stars and stuff like that. Like I was ready. Only to find out you can't really pay your bills being a ninja. Like you don't go on Indeed and like put together a resume like a, have you know, 12 years experience as a ninja, you know. <laughs> and if you did have 12 years experience, you can't tell anybody that, right? So it's just a, a lose-lose situation. But I was devastated at nine to find out you couldn't really be a ninja with your life. And so be who we call it in 10 years. Well, first of all, let me say this. Any expectation that I had 10 years ago. So it's foolish for me to say, well, I see who we call it doing X, Y, and Z. Here's what I do know will happen. In 10 years, if we stay on the trajectory on, that we're on, we'll gather together on Sunday, we'll preach Jesus, we'll worship together, and we'll love one another. Guarantee you that. Guaranteed. We're going to be looking for people who need to know Jesus, and when we find them, we're going to introduce them to Jesus, we're going to baptize them, we're going to take them through discipleship, and we're going to go do it all over again. And we're going to do that until Jesus comes. That's what I see at our church. Now, can I put together a flow chart and key milestones in the, the growth? I, I can't do that. That's just not my gift set. But I don't have to do those things. You know why? I just have to be obedient to what God called me to do today. I, I have to be faithful to God today. And so, again, it's just one step at a time. Psalm 17, verse number 5, hold up my goings. In I love what it says in verse number 23. He delighteth in his way. What that tells us, it tells us that walking with the Lord and his plan is a joy. It's a joy. Am I okay with that? Am I okay with walking God's plan? Can I find delight there? The rub that we have sometimes is in what God's asking me to do, I don't really want to do. Maybe I have a dating relationship that isn't honoring to God. I know I should cut that off, but I don't want to because I feel like maybe God's withholding from me. God's not giving me what I want. I know better, but I just want to do what I want to do. When you do that, you will not receive the joy that you would from obedience. It's interesting. Verse number 23 is one of those kind of, I would say, ambiguous verses in the Bible, verse number 23, where it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The question is, who is the he and who is the his? Does the Lord delight in the way of the man who walks in his steps? Or does the man delight in the Lord, in the Lord's way? I think, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because both of those make sense. If you obey God with your life, God delights in your way. If you obey God with your life, you delight in God's way. And so I don't know that, that the, uh, what is it called, the antecedent, when you, the pronoun that goes, so English teacher, help me. The pronoun that goes back to the original subject, what's that? Antecedent, thank you, teachers. Um, 
I fell asleep in English, so I'm not really sure. So what's the antecedent here to the previous subject? I'm not really sure, and frankly, it doesn't matter because it works out both ways. You can find verses that speak to the fact that the, the man who follows God finds joy, and you find verses that speak to the fact that God finds joy in the righteous. And so in this case here, though, here's the key, though. There is joy in following Jesus. Joy. And when you disobey, when you sin against God, you forfeit your joy 100% of the time. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist, but when people come to me seeking spiritual solutions, I have spiritual answers. When people talk about struggling with things like depression or uh, sadness, I always ask some really basic intro questions that are within my wheelhouse. Primarily, is there any recurring sin in your life that you haven't made right with God or continues to come back that you can't get victory over? Because if the answer to that is yes, that's stealing your joy, guaranteed. You might have other problems that might require medical diagnosis or uh, something like that. You might need to talk to a therapist. I don't know. But I'm saying this right here, sin, disobedience to God, rebellion against God's plan for your life, that's guaranteed to suck the joy out of your life. So again, we find joy in obeying and walking in the plan that God has for us. Obedience from a heart of worship produces joy. Obedience out of a heart of expectation sets me up for disappointment. Your motives always matter to God. Always. If I'm obedient to God's call on my life out of a heart of worship because I believe that God is worthy of my life as a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12, verse number one, man, I will love, love, love serving Jesus with my life. If I'm willing to obey the path that God has sets before me because there's going to be a cookie at the end of the path, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I've known of people who got into ministry before because they thought like, oh, I'm a really gifted speaker and I'm going to be able to pack out like huge churches and big auditoriums and people have told me that I'm such a gifted preacher and I should use that gift and <laughs> you're setting yourself up for failure. Because you have some expectation in your mind what ministry looks like. You don't have the the idea in your mind that ministry's hard, it's difficult, it deals with people who sometimes hate your guts. It deals with, you have to deal with real hurt and real trauma that other people have and walk through that with them, which is hard from time to time. You have some expectation that there's going to be this reward waiting for you that's going to be maybe monetarily or uh, some type of accolades that you might receive or a pat on the back. When you obey with a heart of expectation, you set yourself up for failure. I've known single adults who've done this before. Hey, I'm willing to obey God and walk with God because I really need a spouse, and God's going to give that to me. And when God doesn't give them a spouse, what do they do? They bail. They disobey. They rebel. Well, if God won't give it to me, I'll get it for myself. And what do they forfeit? Joy. So again, you and I cannot have this idea in our mind what the destination looks like. God will handle that. I just have to be obedient today to what God's called me to. Next, verse number 23 here. The steps of a good man are order builds me from the path that God has set before me by the Lord. The moment that you and I rebel against God and choose to go our own way, we forfeit God's blessing. And when we sin against God, that not only does that remove our joy, it removes God's blessing from our life as well. Psalm 119, verse number 133, 
Order my steps in the word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. That verse there is so rich, and we don't even have time to, to plumb the depths of it. But look at just that first part. Order my steps in thy word. God, I will find 100% of the direction for my life directly from your word. Always. I don't want God to order my steps based on my heart, based on my feelings, my emotions, my goals. I want God to order my word based on, or order my life based on his word. Next, we are guided by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I re- recently gotten on a kick uh, lately uh, Not lately, I I love flashlights, like love, love, love flashlights. And like the more lumens, the better. Batteries and a thing for when the lights go out in your house, but evidently there's some violent people here (laughs) who think you can use a flashlight as a weapon. I suppose you could if you were violent, but for me, I had to be violent at times. So you can also use it as a weapon. But, but man, I love a good flashlight. Now, the problem with a good flashlight is whenever you, you shine it, it can only go so far. And so I like to get the really, like, big ones, like, they have, like, extra lumens, you know, like, 10,000 lumens, 20,000 lumens. You know, you can, like, like, these buildings over here, like, you can look at somebody's house with them, like, no, no lie, I have, one, I have one flashlight that my daughter, McKeely, she asked me, she was like, Dad, if you put the Batman symbol on that, could you, like, shine it up in the sky? And I was like, yes, you could. And she was like, that's so awesome. Yes, it is. And so I love the fact that I raised a daughter like that, that thinks like that, right? I can put the bat symbol in the sky. The question is, would anybody come? Hmm. That's outside the scope of our discussion for tonight. (laughs) But here's the thing about uh, a lamp, a light in the darkness. Even with, you know, a 25,000 lumen flashlight that would shine up to two miles away, you only get a small beam through the middle. You can't see everything around. You can't light up the whole area that you're in. You only get a, a directed beam of that. God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. It's not meant to show you everything that's going on around here. It's just there, God's word, to order your next step. Again, if you haven't picked up on this already, this is kind of a one step at a time kind of deal for us as we follow God's leading in our life and God's word guides that. Verse number 24, take a look at that. Though he fall, the man, the good man, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And so if my heart is right, failure is not final. So again, well, I might mess up along the way. Let me save you the trouble. You're going to mess up along the way. But if your heart is right with God, Every time you fall, the Bible promises, it's a promise that God's hand will uphold you. That should be encouraging because if my heart's really right before God and I blow it, God's like, it's fine, we'll just keep moving. I made a gang of mistakes as a parent. God's been gracious because my heart has always been to raise my kids in a way that honors and pleases God. I've messed up a ton, but God's been gracious. God's been faithful. His hand has held me up as I have fallen. There's going to be ups and downs, but God's hand remains steady. 
for those of us that have children, we know what it's like when your kids are taking their first steps. They're kind of wobbly and you know, kind of herky-jerky and stuff like that. And then you put your fingers out and they grab onto your fingers and they're able to have a little bit more stability. And then you kind of pull your fingers out a little bit and where your hands are within reach, but they're kind of doing it on their own, trying to find their own way. God's hand is not like that in the fact that he's going to let you do it for a minute, and if you fall, he's going to be there. His hand is always on your back as you take one step at a time, that when you begin to slip, you're not going to slip very far because God's hand upholds you is what this says here. Now, again, this is, all of this is predicated on the fact that you are the good man, that you're obedient. You choose to rebel against God and go your own way, God's just like, okay, if this is the path that you choose... I'm not going to force you to walk my path. You're 100% on your own at that point. God is never required to keep his hand of protection when you've chosen to walk outside the umbrella of God's protection. And so when things don't according, go according to my plan, it doesn't mean that God's plan has failed. <laughs> so many times things in life don't work out the way that we thought they would, even when we're trying to follow the Lord. Even when we're trying to obey the Lord. It's a hard conversation to have with parents who's raised their kids to walk with Jesus and their kids have rebelled in their adult years. It's hard. But I have to lead you back to Scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go when he's old he won't depart from it. I've got to lead you back to the place of the seeds that you placed of the gospel, the seeds that you placed of God's word at some point will come to fruition just because things have not gone according to our plan yet does not mean that God's plan has failed. Micah 7, 8, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I shall arise, and when I sit in darkness, the Lord... Oh, it's really dark right now. I know. That's why that's good, because all you have to do is just take the next step of obedience. That's all God requires of you. And so, if I follow God's plan... He's promised to care for my every need, even if I don't get what I want. Evidently, it wasn't a need. Verse number 25, he's ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is, get this, blessed. Verse 25, I've been young, and now I'm old and have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The, the psalmist says here, like, of all of my years, and I'm an old man, I've looked around and I've never one time seen the righteous doing without, ever. So God's promise to provide every need that you have, well, God hasn't given me this, then it's not a need, because God has promised to provide your every need. Well, I want to get married, I want to have kids, not a need. Will God give that to you in his time? If he chooses to, but here's the, the burning question that we must ask ourselves. If God doesn't give me what I want, am I still willing to follow him? Well, I want to follow God because I want to get married and have family. If God doesn't give you those things, will you still follow him? I'll get promoted. You those things. The answer to that is no. Please understand what you have described is idolatry. I'm only following God because he's going to give me what I want. At what point he doesn't give me what I want, I'm done with him. Well, you're not following God for who he is. You're following God for what he gives. Get this. If that's your heart, you just want what God has to offer. You don't really want God. 
you don't want God, you just want his stuff. You don't want to know God, walk with God, be obedient to God, follow after God, commune with God. You just want to get God's stuff and leave God to the side. He doesn't work that way. And so we, get, we really have to take a look inside of our hearts. Verse number 26, God's plan is not just to bless my life, but to bless others after I'm gone. Verse number 26, he's ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Now, again, his seed doesn't necessarily mean the direct descendants of the lineage of his family tree. It means the people that are connected to him are blessed. So get this. You and I can live our life in such a way that magnifies God's glory to such a great length that when you and I are dead and gone, people still continue to be blessed by the way that we lived our life. That should be the desire of every Christian. I want to leave something behind when I'm gone that's of eternal value. My kids have already decided, they already know, my wife and I don't have a ton of money and they're not waiting around for their inheritance to come through. My kids have already divided up all my cars and my watches and the majority of the stuff in my closet uh, amongst themselves. Like It's like, hey, I have to die first before you guys get You guys get that, right? But here's the thing. I'm not trying to leave my kids a big bunch of money because that's not the need of their heart. I'm trying to leave behind for my kids character, faithfulness to God, wisdom, discernment, a heart for the things of God. Those are the things that matter. That's what I want to leave for you, church family, when my time on this earth is done. I want people to remember me for my faith and my faithfulness. I want people to say, hey, I learned character, integrity. I learned how to walk with God. I was a better husband. I was a better wife. I was a better mom. I was a better dad. I was a better Christian because of the time that I spent with this guy. That's what I crave. But that only happens when I follow the path that God has set out for me. If I'm living for myself and living for what I can get out of this world, I might leave my kids a bunch of money, but I'm going to leave them an empty heart. I might be able to, to leave a legacy in material things, but I leave behind nothing of any eternal significance or eternal value. You and I need to understand that this path that we call life, that we're walking together, this life, this path is so much bigger than me. Rick Warren wrote a ridiculously popular book back in the 90s called The Purpose Driven Life. And I cannot stand Rick Warren for a hundred different reasons in his his theology is weak as weak could possibly be. He's never exposited the scriptures a day in his life, and he's a, a feel-good teacher, talker. But, and I've never read The Purpose Driven Life because it's a, basically a bunch of repackaged uh, New Age material. And let me just say this. If you can write a, quote, Christian book that Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists, and Christians can agree that this is a great book, it's not very doctrinally solid, that's for sure. But here's what I do like. I, I read, like, the title page and, like, the fir- opening paragraph. The opening paragraph of the book says this. It's not about you. And I love that. Never read the rest of the book, don't care to read the rest of the book, wouldn't encourage anybody to read the rest of the book, but you need to understand this about life. It's not about you. It's about the glory of God, 100%. So as I look at my path, how can God maximize his glory in my life 
today. Hey, as I look down the road at what happens a year from now, maybe when my lease is up on my apartment, maybe when I look at this job that I got a contract for for the next 18 months ends, what's the next step that I need to be looking for that would maximize God's glory in my life? I share with you guys when we were in Thailand, the quarterback of Thatcher's football team in high school, Christian school, him and his wife had just gotten married and they moved to Thailand, got visas and are just running a Bible club for kids on Saturdays, trying to teach these kids English. I said, Trent, how long are you going to do that? He's like, I don't know, until the Lord said it's time to go. He said, my wife and I, we can both work remotely and live here, and so sometimes I have to get up early in the morning to be on Zoom calls and stuff like that, or stay up late to work on projects, but he said, we just want to serve God with our lives. Hmm, how about that? That's a crazy thought. He's just like, yeah, he's like, Maybe one day God will give us kids. Maybe one day we'll move back to the United States. Maybe one day we'll plant a church. Just whatever God wants us to do. I just want to do that. And I thought to myself, man, you get it. You know, life's not about you. It's about what you can give. It's about the people that you can impact. And final thought here tonight, we get from verse number 29. Take a look at that. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. As I walk in obedience... God brings along others who have also followed him to enjoy his blessings together. Get that, verse number 29. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. It's not talking about you individually inherit the land and you dwell by yourself. That would be a drag. For some of us who would like some peace and quiet every now and then, it'd be fun for about 24 hours, right? Like, hey, I got this whole land all myself. I don't even have to speak to anybody. But then there comes a point where we need one another. Who's dwelling in this land that we have as an inheritance? God's people are. The people who have obeyed God every step along the way. The people who say, hey, I've followed God's steps to a T, and this is where I've landed. This is where I've wound up. One of the things that I think is so special about Huikala, not that we're perfect, but we're made up of a lot of people who really just want to obey God with their lives. Hey, I realize I might take a hit to live here financially. I realize it's got one of the highest costs of living in the nation. I realize that renting an apartment here is stupid expensive. I realize that the cost of living is incredibly high and groceries are really expensive. But I really believe that God's doing something in my life here right now. And I don't want to disrupt that. I, I just want to obey God with my life because God's doing something special. And I want to follow that. We absolutely cannot talk about obeying God's will for your life and following God's path without talking about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Turn there over in your Bible and we'll be done here tonight. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You might even be able to quote it off the top of your head. That's fine if you can. Turn, turn there in your Bible anyways. You should circle, star, underline, commit this passage to memory, these two verses. It's a conditional promise of God. Conditional promises are really important because they're not ordered by the Lord. If you're not walking in obedience to God, your steps aren't ordered. They're disordered. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. If you're not righteous, you don't get the land. That's conditional promises. So this passage here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, is a conditional promise. There's three conditions that you must meet to get the promise. And again, you absolutely cannot talk about obeying God's will or following God's path with it and leave out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. Number one. Number two, lean not unto your own understanding. Number three, in all your ways, acknowledge him. If you tick those three off and maintain a heart that's submitted and committed to those three things, the end promise is he shall direct your path. Guaranteed. If you've done those three things. Now, if you've done all those three, three things and you don't have clarity, then maybe you should just wait and continue to do those things. And God will provide clarity. There's times where I've had to pray this to the Lord and say, hey, God, you promised if I do these three things, you'll direct my path, but I got no direction and I need it. I need some guidance that you can give me, God. But many times, again, especially when we're super selfish, when we just want what we want out of life, and again, I've created this idea in my mind, I just need God to bless this idea. We haven't trusted in the Lord with all of our heart. We are leaning to our own understandings. We're not acknowledging God in every area of our life, and then we're wondering, like, well, God hasn't really given me any direction. You haven't fulfilled your commitment yet. This is a conditional promise, and you have not met the conditions of this promise. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I believe that God has an answer for this. And whatever God's answer is, I'm willing to obey. Whatever God tells me to do from here on out, the answer will always be yes. No lie. That, that's a, a prayer that my wife and I prayed probably 23 years ago, and it's the reason you're seated in this auditorium here tonight, because we made a commitment before God with all of our hearts and said, God, from here on out, whatever you tell us to do, the answer will always be yes. And I could take you to the place where we, I was standing in our massively oversized bedroom on Granville Way in Lancaster, California, where I told my wife, I believe God wants us to start a church in Honolulu. And she asked me, what percentage sure are you? And I said, 100%. And she says, then it's done. And it's just like, okay, do you want to talk about this? And no, like she said, there's nothing to talk about. If God said, do it, our answer is yes. Well, do you want to talk about how you feel? She said, how I feel doesn't really matter. I just want to obey God. And I'm thankful for a wife like that who realizes that commitment that we made wasn't just a feel-good feeling we had at the end of a service. We really meant that. That we were trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and whatever God said, the answer would always be yes. We weren't leaning into our own understanding. I don't have enough wisdom to make this decision on my own. I need God's wisdom. And I pray just what James chapter 1 says every single day during that 90-day period before I had that conversation with my wife. I prayed that God would give me wisdom and discernment. I, I thought through everything, and I talked to a lot of people, and I talked to godly Christian men that I, I trusted their judgment and their wisdom because they've been walking with Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years. And I asked what they thought. I felt like you, like you give me some advice and told them what I felt like God was doing in my life. Because I didn't want to trust my own wisdom. I, I'm a very emotional person. Like, no lie, when we were in, in Thailand, I'm, I'm driving past all these houses, and I'm thinking to myself, these people need Jesus. You go into a bigger city like Chiang Mai, it's overrun with people that need Jesus. You know, and everywhere you go, it's like tons of people that need Jesus. It's just like, man, I don't know if I could reach this city, but I could reach 10 people, I think. 
Maybe God wants me here. <laughs> and again, it's just like my emotions immediately overcame me of like, hey, these people need Jesus, and I could probably, with God's help, get it done. But then I remembered that's not my path. My path is here with you. This is where God's called me to. And so I can't lead to my emotions. I can't lead to my own understanding. I have to lead to somebody else's wisdom, God's wisdom. And then I have to acknowledge God in all my ways. Every area of my life, God comes first. From the way that I live, to the friends that I have, to my finances, to my giving, to my witness, to the words that I say, to how I spend my time, to spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, spending time with other Christians, discipling other Christians, being mentored by men that are further down the road from me. All of these areas got to be clicking before I can say I'm acknowledging God in every area of my life. Again, it's interesting to me, sometimes people are like, oh, I want to be a, a missionary to, you know, Uganda. It's just like, first of all, you don't attend church faithfully. Secondly, you've never been on outreach in your own city. Third of all, you don't tithe or give to missions now. How are you going to give your life to missions? You talk about acknowledging God in all of your ways, being fully submitted and committed to God and staying there. That's what God requires, and then he'll direct your path. But again, we want to like lift up the curtain, peek at the end destination to figure out whether or not it's worth it to even walk the path or not. God's like, no, no, no. Do what I've asked you to do. And so I think, again, as we're looking at following God's plan for for some of you, God's plan for you is to men and women to be missionaries to foreign fields, and our church can send them out as missionaries. For some people to be obedient to God's path, you need to get up and go. But for some of you, obeying God means that you're supposed to stay here. This is where God wants you to serve. These are the people that God wants you to serve Jesus with. This is the city that God wants you to reach. But none of us have the liberty of just sitting on our hands and doing nothing for the kingdom. That's not the path that anybody has. My path is going to look different than yours is. This church doesn't need, you know, 100 pastors. This church doesn't need, you know, 200 missionaries that we send out. So what's your role in the kingdom. What's the path that's been laid out before you? Your path is going to be different because the resources you have are different than the resources that I have. The gift set that you have is different than the gift set that I have. So the great part about this is this why the church is the way that it is. The Bible says the church is the body of Christ and we have giftings that are different. That's actually the way it was designed. But with your gifting and what God's given you to do, are you fulfilling God's path in your life? When you look at that path that's laid out before you, are you on track or have you veered off on your own path? And you're just like, hey God, I know you're... And the Bible tells the good man, the obedient man, when your heart's right. I want nothing more than every single person in this room, every single committed follower of Jesus at Huicala Baptist Church, I want to prepare you for the day that you stand before God. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, which is a testimony of almost every person in this room, I know your story of how you got saved, you'll stand before God, not in judgment of the sin you've committed, but you'll either receive rewards for the way that you live your life, or you'll lose rewards based on the way that you live your life. 
again, there's a dozen different moments that went into getting me to the point where I am today. One of the early ones in my formative times in my early Christian walk was the idea of standing before God one day with nothing in my pockets to, to give, nothing to show. That I was standing before God. I lived a life where I was successful. I had a lot of money. I had a lot of stuff. I went a lot of places and drove a lot of nice cars and took great vacations. But when it came to time to stand before God, I didn't really have anything to offer. And the idea of standing at the judgment seat of Christ in embarrassment and shame for the way that I lived my life made me want to change. God, I don't want to walk my own unfruitful path. I want to live a, a life of great fruitfulness to you. That when I stand before God, I can hear those words that all of us desire to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. I want to prepare you for the day that you meet Jesus Christ, that you'll meet him with joy. You'll be able to stand before God and say, hey, I'm not perfect. I didn't live a perfect life, but Jesus you are at the front of my mind every single day. And I've been waiting for this moment to be able to see you face to face, living with eternity in mind. You might be here tonight and you say, well, I don't even know what, where to even start. Start with what you know. Obey that. And God will reveal every step along the way. If God gives you clarity that you're supposed to do this or do that, again, I would check in with the wisdom of other godly people. Check in with the wisdom that comes from God's word and obey that. But for the most of us, the question is just, how do I glorify God today? I was, um, it, it's, it's neat, if after Hui Kyle has been here for 10 years now, we're starting to like gain traction where people like know who we are and know where we're at. Sometimes it's kind of creepy, but it's, it's like the other day I was standing in line at Chick-fil-A and some lady is like staring at me while I'm getting my food. And I know I'm handsome and all, but it wasn't that kind of stare. It wasn't that kind of stare. It wasn't like that. But it was looking at me like she knows me. And I'm, I'm just like thinking to myself, like, do I know this person? Do I know that? And I couldn't come up with anything. And so she comes over to me after she gets her food, and she was like, are you the pastor? The pastor of Chick-fil-A? Like, that, <laughs> that's like a dream job, right? <laughs> Only problem is they're closed on Sunday. So I don't know how that works, but... I, was, I said, I'm a pastor. Why? And she says, are you the pastor of who we call a Baptist church? And I said, yes, that much I can agree to. Uh, and she said, I watch your services every week during the pandemic. I said, have you ever actually been to our church? And she's like, I've never been. She said, I had a friend that used to go there that, you know, moved back to the mainland. And she told me a friend's name who I knew. And I was like, you got to come check this out. And I said, man, that would be really cool. And she was just like, oh, I might give it a shot sometime. Awesome. I mean, just trying to glorify God wherever I'm at. Last night we had, uh, my wife's out of town, and so that usually means that I'm living on uh, frozen pizzas, and I ran out of frozen pizzas. So um, I had uh, got an Instacart delivery last night, and so when I gave uh, the Instacart delivery driver a track and a really good tip, she said, hey, this is the church that Tomoko goes to, isn't it? And I said, it is. And I said, you know Tomoko? She was like, yeah. I said, man, I love Tomoko. I said, you got to come check us out. And she was like, I might do that. And I thought to myself, here's somebody who knows somebody and where they go to church. Why? Because at some point they said, hey, that's my church over there. That's what I'm talking about when we build our life around the kingdom. We begin to be known by the things of God. 
that when somebody says, like, hey, I'm a Christian, it's like, oh, you should meet, you know, Joey, he's a Christian too. Oh, you should meet Sally, she's a Christian too. That we're known by kingdom things when we're walking the path that God's given us. And so I just want to encourage you, be faithful to what God's laid out for you just one day at a time, and you'll wind up at the destination every time. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.